unfortunately I would say it is a trial and error process and um, which makes kind of put a, put a fitting difficult at times because it's not like a, a black and white process that you you've, you've, you have to follow and if we get this then we, we do this this is the fitting room podcast with your hosts Nate Adelman and AJ Volpel Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Fitting Room Podcast. I am your host, AJ Vopel, alongside Nate Adelman. And Nate, it's been a little while. I haven't really seen you. Where, First of all, where I have think, you been for the last like two weeks? I think I've been 12, day, 12 consecutive days out of the office. Yeah, I know. Because yeah. I tried to do a podcast with you. I have people asking yeah. when the next podcast is going to be, but you weren't around. I was busy down at Petco Park. Uh, I made a new home there oh, for the last yes. two weeks for the links at the Petco annual, Park. The annual, links, annual at links at Petco. We had a great year. Nice. Uh, expertly designed course, collaborating with uh, Mr. Gil Hans on this one. So that one was cool. Yo, that's crazy. That I know. like he like designed some of the holes. He's like one of the most renowned architects in the world. And we're he's gonna, like, we're gonna send him like our... the course map and stuff. And oh, he told cool. us he was gonna put it on his website. That is so that would be pretty cool. That would be really cool. But, uh, any holes in one? This we year? had five. Really? Five? Yeah, it was that's a lot. sick. But um, alas, AJ, we're not in the Links at Petco room. Right. This is the fitting <laughs> this room. This is the fitting room. People, and people might not give a crap about Links no, at Petco. No, I don't think they do. And quite <laughs> frankly, right now, neither do I. So <laughs> You're over it. <laughs> so, uh, AJ, um, here's the question. Yes. I, I've been a bad partner the last two weeks because I've been busy. Were you able to do any work in my absence? I, you know what I was thinking the whole time that you were gone? What's that? WWND. What would... Nathan do Ooh. and what would I do you know what I you know what Nathan would do what he would do an all factor fiction podcast with one of the premier putting gurus on planet earth whoa yeah that's what I did I sat down with Phil Kenyon myself that's my cool. first solo fitting room podcast and did all you... I did was ask him factor fiction questions about fitting putters there's even like a couple instructional things in there you, because I felt like golfers would even want some bonus instruction in there, you know? So you actually knew fitting questions to ask. I did. I did wow. all by myself too. So I'm actually pretty Impressive. proud. Wow. Um, I asked myself what you would do and you know what? I did it. And that's today's episode. Um, so you're just actually just recording the intro. You're not even part of this whole, no, this whole plan. No, this is great. I can't wait great. to listen to it. Yeah. I'm sure you did a nice job. A lot of fitting knowledge. Um, and like I said, there's like two or three um, factor fictions on instruction just to help you guys out. So it's going to be really fun. Um, yeah. So make sure. Oh yeah. And if you want to uh, check out the links at Petco, uh, landing page that we built for like some information on the course and some really cool photos and video, just go to callawaygolf.com uh, slash the links. And you can check out all the stuff that we did there and see who got all the aces and all that stuff. And all Nate's hard work and really the hard work of everybody in the company. Oh yeah. Hundreds know? of people contributed to to what it was so yeah. it was a, it was a great week but yeah uh it's time to learn about fitting yes and afterwards real quick make sure you leave us a review on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts just so um we get a little bit more uh notoriety and so we could make more of these because we love giving them to you so uh leave a review have fun we were trying to earn our own podcast channel yeah so we don't have to be on the callaway one anymore right we want the so fitting room channel help us out you guys so yeah leave a review I uh, hope you enjoy this one. I think it's a good one, mostly because I'm in it. But uh, <laughs> without further ado, uh, here is myself with Phil Kenyon, putting guru. Adam Hadwin here, and I'm going to interrupt this program for a very important message. If you like podcasts like the one you're listening to now, I encourage you to listen to the Pirate Ship Show. Little known fact, 
I listened to the ship show right before I shot my 59, and also right before my first PJ Tour victory. Honestly, I did. Download the ship show wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's join AJ and Nate for more great fitting advice. All right, we are here with our main man, Phil Canyon. Phil, thanks for stopping by. I know you've been around uh, Callaway headquarters for the last couple of days. You having fun out in San Diego? Uh, yeah, it's been fun. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a good couple of days. So, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, so, for our listeners who aren't familiar uh, with your work, um, you work with some of the best uh, professional golfers in the world. Why don't you just kind of rattle off uh, your Rolodex and who you work with? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've been fortunate to to work with some good players. So um, a couple of sort of current clients would include um, Callaway Staffer, Henrik Stenson, mm-hmm. um, Justin Rose, uh, Rory McIlroy, mm-hmm. uh, Louis Oosthuizen, um, who who play predominantly over the PGA or, or on the PGA Tour, and then um, some guys back in Europe um, such as Matt Fitzpatrick, Chris Wood. And Fitzpatrick actually just won too, right? Matt did, yeah, ago. yeah. He, nice. he won um, in uh, the uh, over in Cran yep. yeah, in Switzerland. So nice. That was a good win. Yeah, yeah. I have an affinity for for Matt because um, I went. I was actually at the country club uh, when he won the USAM, okay. and he had his little brother on. So like ever since then, I've always been just a big fan of him because I'm a huge fan of amateur golf. So I was like, oh, this I love this kid. He just like uh, he's a giant killer, you know. Yeah, he just like took yeah. down all these big names. It was awesome. Yeah, that was a great great week. I mean, I've been lucky to, uh, to I've worked with Matt since he was 15 years old. Oh, so nice. Kind of to be part of that journey. It's been great to sort of see him, um, you know, win at every level. And you know, he's he's a really good competitor. And um, his brother is actually a really good player as oh, well. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. I didn't know that. He's uh, his brother smashed some course records this this summer. So oh, good for him. watch out for for mini Fitzpatrick. Although uh, he's not that small, he's probably bigger than he's Matt now. Bigger than Matt, yeah. I was gonna say no, but he he's a good player. So yeah, it's a good stock in that family. Nice, awesome. All right, so what we're gonna do today? We're gonna we're gonna do a little kind of lightning round, a little different format uh, than we do for for other episodes. But uh, since we have Phil here and he and he's you know uh, an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to putting. We're going to do a little fact or fiction, but we have three different categories and we have about uh, four or five statements that we're going to, I'm going to run by Phil and he's going to tell us whether they're fact or fiction. This way um, you guys um, could kind of uh, base your technique off of what he says and maybe rethink your entire style of putting. That's what we're here to do. We're here to, <laughs> we're here to help you and confuse you at the same time. So uh, Phil, are you ready to go? You want to start? Wanting me to start it off with the equipment category? Yeah. Do we have a buzzer for you know, <laughs> right. buzz, and, and for you know fiction and post uh, post production? We will add a okay, buzzer. Okay. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. Cool. So we're gonna start with equipment. All right. So Phil, fact or fiction? A toe down putter encourages an arcing stroke. Fiction. Oh, fiction. Oh, I thought I was going to stump you out of the gate. And why is that? Well, I mean, you hear you hear you hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? Um and I think I think that's based on opinion rather than fact. Um you know, I've never seen any evidence uh to suggest that uh, you know, put balance actually changes the the arc of the stroke. So mm-hmm. in terms of the arc of the stroke, what we're actually talking about there and I would define the arc as the the three-dimensional travel of the sweet spot. Okay, mm-hmm. so we know that the putter will typically work um, inside and up and then um, back down and out and then inside and up. So it creates mm-hmm. this sort of three-dimensional travel. Now, for me, in, in 
you know, and, and someone may come along and, and prove me wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I hold, hold my hands mm. if someone can mm. provide the evidence. But, you know, from my from sort of my testing over the years and, and, and the work that I've done, I've never really seen that the, the putter itself changes that. I'd say that's largely determined by the technique of the player and the mechanics of the player and, you know, um, you know that, that the length of the putter can influence aspects of setup and posture and that's going to have an effect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that, in fact, one of the biggest factors that determines that three-dimensional arc is actually the radius of the stroke, um, and that's 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 determined by the golfer, you know, and, and uh, yeah, hand and arm motion, etc. And so, I really I see that as a myth. Um, oh, okay. That that's not to say that put a balance can influence some aspects of the stroke, but I don't see it as a big factor that determines the arc of the stroke. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stick with fiction. All right, cool. So it's more the player than the actual putter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nice. Very nice. One down. couple to go. A face balance. Well, this actually kind of um, uh, plays off the first one. A face balance putter encourages a straight back, straight through stroke. Fact or fiction? F- fiction. F- fiction. Yeah. Right. Again. Same, same thing, really. Yeah. yeah. So like I say... Um, you know, a, a lot, a lot of guys that you see who have sort of very straight back, straight through strokes are very linear. You know, they're actually changing the radius of the stroke to to produce that. So, um, you know, that, that that's coming from technique, hand and arm motion. Um, that's not coming from the putter itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 balance of the putter, whether it's toe balance or face balanced, the 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 axis of the shaft it. Um, well, where the shaft is positioned to the head obviously uh, differs mm-hmm. so with a with a toe balance putter it's, it's more heel mounted so it's inside of the CG of the putter now what that can cause slightly is when when you um, put a force through the shaft and get the, the putter moving the, the predisposition to twist slightly mm-hmm. um, but then that can be overrided by the golfer itself right, when, the, when right. the golfer itself when, when they grip the club they're applying a, a torque to the handle and, mm-hmm. and they can easily override that um, but w- what I would say is the balance of the putter can can uh, produce maybe subtle changes in the rate of rotation or where the putter opens and closes mm-hmm. but it's not really changing the, the shape of the stroke in terms of the arc itself you know that really is a function of the technique right so I, I have a kind of like a little side question um, a lot of the players that you work with, is there a specific type of put, uh, putter, like a toe down or face balance that uh, they generally prefer, or is it pretty mixed amongst all the golfers that you work with? Um, some guy, well, is it, that's a... Right, w- tough question. No, no, not really. Yeah. It's not a tough question, but w- sometimes you may prefer something, but it might not be right for you. Right. So are we talking preference or what's best for them? Mm-hmm. What's best for them? Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... Uh, Put, you know, putter fitting is important, and uh, there are certain aspects of the putter that you need to consider. And um, you know, that you've got the basics of the length, line, loft, which are going to encourage you know, aspects of setup that you want for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you give them a putter that's too long or too flat, and they're going to get in positions which you know might not help them. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the finer aspects of like the head shape, um, in terms of as we just mentioned, in sort of a, having a, an effect on the rate of rotation. Now, for some players that can make it can make no difference. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, I've measured some players with, you know, all different styles of putter, and it makes very, very little difference. They could. So when you measure the, the, the kinematics or how the club moves, you see no difference. And that could be in the overall, overall pattern or the consistency of it. Sometimes the player could feel a difference. Mm-hmm. 
And I think what the player is actually feeling there is the feeling, the torque in the handle of how they're compensating relative to the putter. Mm-hmm. And it's intuitive, but they're sensing that right. torque around the handle. So, but ultimately, it actually makes no difference to performance. It's just a difference in feel, right. which they may prefer or, or uh, not prefer. Right, right. No, um, that makes sense. Yeah. And then obviously with, with some guys, you can give them a different putter and, and it does make a difference. So unfortunately, it, I would say it is a trial and error process, mm-hmm. and um, it, which makes kind of putter put fitting difficult at times because it's not like a... Uh, a black and white process that you 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 have to follow, and if we get this, then we we mm-hmm. do this. It's pretty subjective, then. There's, there's an element of yeah, yeah. There's an element of the you know the fit is intuition. Yeah, has to come in. I don't think it's necessarily an automated process. I had mm-hmm. some discussions the last couple of days with the you know with Sean and and the guys here at Callaway, and yeah. you know um, so you know they're working hard on on, on trying to provide a you know, really good fit and solution. And I don't think anyone's actually really done it. Right, well, nobody's really perfected it yet. Not, not yet, no. Yeah. It, and, and the reason why it's difficult, yeah. you know, the, there is a subjective element to it and there are a lot of variables, uh, you know, and, you know, it's not as tangible as, you know, fitting in the, with a driver, less club head speed, you know, um, you know, the, the golfer can override the movement of the club far, far easier with, with torque um, at those low speeds. So, mm-hmm. yeah, less factors. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's uh, let's keep going. The greens at my home course are really fast. I should be playing a light putter. Fact or fiction? Fiction. Oh, okay. So you should be playing a heavier putter then. Well, or maybe. (laughs) Okay. Maybe this is a faction. (laughs) Faction. Um, Or fict. Yeah. Right. Well, I I once read that Bernard Langer, when he uh, would go and play at Augusta, he would switch to a heavier putter. And, um, I mean, the one thing, the logic there is obviously you have a lighter mass and the ball won't travel as far, same club head speed. And, mm-hmm. But what that doesn't appreciate is how the player reacts to the putter. Mm. And a, a, a lot of the time, some of these fitting principles that you hear about, they're, they're, they're based on sort of, well, they don't take into account how the player reacts. Right. You know, right. Like, and um, you you change the weight of the putter, um, you change the overall mass, and it can definitely affect how the how the player can swing that putter. You know, the, so in this example, you could give a guy a heavy putter, and they could swing it slower, and that could in uh, uh, the tempo could slow down, and as a consequence, the club head speed could could slow down. So um, I would. That's why I would call that fiction. Is you you really don't know until you actually um, see how the player reacts, and it could be good for one player, it could be bad for another. Nice. That's a great answer too, because I've uh, I've heard that argument go both ways. I've heard it say, "Oh, well, really fast greens, you should have a light putter," you know, and then I've heard the other argument. Yeah. But I feel like they're right. There's like almost no right answer to that, you know. Yeah, and and also the thing is, if you've gr- I see this, you know, with guys who, um, you know, use the same putter for the last 15, 20 years and it's got like 330 gram head weight mm-hmm. and they use that kind of weight of putter and head weights have, have gotten heavier uh, mm-hmm. in recent years and they're looking to sort of switch out and they actually find it quite difficult to change the, you know, the overall weight in the putter. And, and, and so switching from week yeah. to week. I'm not necessarily sure that's the probably g- not a good idea. You know, you're yeah. adding variables in, really. So, um, 
Especially yeah. mentally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the jury would, would be out on that one, I think. All right, awesome. Let's go one more from the equipment category. Yeah. Let's go to this one. High MOI putters benefit every golfer and every putting stroke. Fact or fiction? Fiction. Fiction. Because I think I think uh, kind of going on trend, it's that every golfer, every putting stroke it's that's yeah. kind of there's no one putter or like one style putter for for every golfer. yeah so if you look at you know typically a high moi putter be sort of face balanced mallet where the cg is very sort of back in 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 um in the head that can be uh quite a difficult putter to twist mm-hmm. hence higher moi mm-hmm. now for for some players they may need to be able to twist the putter in order to to square the club face so if you've got someone who typically leaves the face open um, and they were using a low MOI putter, then giving them a high MOI putter could actually make it worse for them. Right. Um, you know, if someone is very consistent in terms of where they strike uh, strike the ball, um, then they're not going to necessarily benefit from a higher, higher MOI putter. And it could be, you know, that if it's affecting the face rotation negatively, then it's a bad thing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are plenty of, uh, of golfers that would, you know, really benefit. So this is the the individual aspects of putter fitting, isn't it? Really, right. So fiction. All right, cool. And now actually, we're going to run to the fitting category here. Uh, we have a couple here, so we'll just kick it right off. The length of your putter should be determined based on your height. Fact or fiction? Fiction. Fiction. So how would you kind of best um, not explain, but uh, I guess, uh, what kind of insight would you provide a golfer who's kind of unsure what the length of their putter should be? Is there like any kind of template that you go by? Well, but, I mean, that, that, well, first of all, to go back to the, the, the question is, it's, it's not determined by your height because right. you could have a different arm arm length, couldn't you, for every, mm-hmm. every golfer? Um, the, the length of the putter is going to determine the distance that you stand from the ball, so it's going to affect your eye position. Mm-hmm. And, and that can be important in terms of affecting your aim. And it's gonna, the length of the putter is gonna affect your arm position and it's gonna have an effect on the, your uh, forward bend. So if you think about your, your torso, mm-hmm. how much you're gonna bend from, from your torso or your hips. So it has a big impact on your posture. Now, obviously that's gonna have an impact on your technique. So it depends what you're trying to do with your technique. Right. Um, as to what length of putter Lovely. you require, you know, if you've got a putter that's way too long for you, and your, you know, your arms are going to be very bent and tucked into your body unless you stand very tall. Mm. So, it's that's where sort of an element of instruction comes in, um, to, and that's where I think with, every, you know, from my perspective, I, I I've always said that uh, an integral part of any lesson is, you know, putter fitting. Um, because it's going to affect how you set up and, and as a consequence, your technique. Right. All right, cool. Let's go to the next one. Every, oh, I'd see these. See, now I don't like these every uh, lines. <laughs> Ready? Every golfer benefits from roll technology on the face. Fact or fiction? <laughs> that, that's a tough one. Um, that's the closest that you're going to get to fact. fact. <laughs> <laughs> that we might see on this entire sheet. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Um, you know, there there are some golfers who actually roll the ball very, very well through the impact conditions that they create. And as a consequence, then, 
you know, does, um, that, you know, that technology give them a significant performance improvement? And that could be very, very small. Mm-hmm. But then there are, there are some golfers who kind of really struggle uh, through the impact conditions that they create and that help that you can get through that te- technology could be, you know, significant. It could really help them. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it, that's part of that fitting process, isn't it? I mean, so f- when I look at things as a fitter, I'm looking at trying to um, improve how the ball performs. So, you know, you'd be looking at different face technologies and, and different uh, inserts and different components of the putter to, to really improve the ball roll. Um, some guys roll it great, mm-hmm. you know, and some guys need help in in that area. Right. See, now, if you were a, if you worked for Callaway Marketing, your answer would be, yes, fact, MicroHinge helps every single golfer on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> the thing, Kudos to you uh, for saying objective. Yeah. No, well, listen, I'm a big fan of MicroHinge. <laughs> I mean, you know, my, my background is, you know, when... Uh, now, I was very lucky when I was younger to be mentored by Harold Swash. And, right. you know, Harold was a, I would say Harold was a pioneer in ball roll dynamics. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, he, he was an engineer and, and uh, designer of product. And it was always based around ball roll. And that was sort of, you know, I grew up on ball roll. Um, and it's, I, I, you know, it's an important part. You know, I think the thing is when you, when you're, when you're at very, very high level of performance, the gains that are possible become a lot, lot smaller. Smaller, right. So, you know, that's what I'm saying, really. You know, it, when you very, very high-level performance or you're, yeah, you know, you've got great ball roll, great impact conditions, is that going to make a significance? Right. You know, I would say it could not be when you think that you, you, you have a putter that you actually can't aim very well. No point in having great ball roll if you right, can't aim it. <laughs> so you know, I'd be I'd be looking more. You know, does the Versa configuration help the player aim better? You yeah. know, or some other alignment configuration. So that could be where they're going to uh, get a significant performance um, gain from. Okay, cool, excellent, excellent. Um, achieving forward roll instead of backspin and skipping is critical to making more putts. I like I like this one. It's a this is a good one. I would I would. I would say that um, I would say that that that's a fact. Right. So you want you want to produce a more forward roll than than ever producing sort of any sort of backspin. Yeah, I I don't see guys who put well with a lot of backspin. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the quicker you can get the ball on the ground and rolling forward. Um, it's in contact with the ground. You've got um, a more even rate of um, deceleration. I think it's easier to predict um, speed, and and I think there's a consequence in terms of line. So, you know, um, listen, you can you can you can make puts with with a backspin, yeah, okay, and and, and a poor ball roll. Um, but can you be as consistent as what you want to be? Yeah. Then I, I would say no. I mean, I, I think you know, ball roll is important. There are certain parameters that you want to be within, um, and having a load of backspin on your putt is not one of them. So, yeah, we've got a fact. We got last. a fact, baby. Let's well, go. Well All right, let's keep that momentum going. Yeah. All right, this is the last one for the fitting category, and then we have one more category. The putter. This actually, this is interesting because we actually get a ton of questions on this. A ton of questions. Yeah. The putter should be completely flat on the ground at address, not with the toe or the heel up in yeah. one of the directions. 
Um, and we know that obviously from seeing uh, certain tour players, um, I know a couple just off the top of my head that have the heel off the ground. Uh, they make a lot of putts, but um, in your in in your kind of uh, best guesstimation, uh, should it be flat? Okay. Well, if you think about who one of the best putters on the PJ Tour has been in recent, you know, in modern day times, right. probably Stricker, right? Is that the yeah. guy you're thinking of? Oh, well, I mean, exactly, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and um, he he's had heel up mm-hmm. a, a couple of years ago. I, I you know, I'm, I'm on social media. I use Twitter, and I was involved in a debate uh, with a, a a company that were. Um, really stressing that the importance of, of, of lie angle, how it had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't see that. I, I think uh, if you look at face plane tilt, so, you know, when you consider lie angle in, in, in a golf club, you you have a lot of loft on a sandwich. So if, you, if you're on a sandwich on a side hill lie, you know that you have to aim to the right because the, the, the face itself is pointing left. And that's a combination of loft and lie angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is called face plane tilt. Now, with a putter, there's very little face plane tilt. So, if you if you're like five degrees toe up, I mean, this is a ballpark. I might not be 100 percent accurate about that, but you, I think you need to be something like five degrees toe up and five degrees of loft to even affect the club face angle by half a degree. So, if you've got five degrees of loft on your putter to start with, you know that's you know that's not going to help other things so if you by by virtue of just improving the loft to to yeah. more of an optimum uh, loft angle impact you're really then negating the effect of lie angle now um lie angle itself it doesn't have to be perfect if it's out one or two degrees then that i think it will make it i think it's insignificant now for actually for some people it could actually help them because at times, if the toe is up, you actually raise the center of putter. You can actually raise the CG of the putter. So for oh, guys, yeah, that makes sense. so for guys who like strike it really high on the face, um, you know that 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 having that put slightly toe up, slightly heel up could help them. Or right. or sometimes when a player's developed that style over time, other other things that um, uh, have developed to, to to compensate that. So you then change the lie angle, and then you know you, you've had a negative effect elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it so many times where you change the lie angle so it's perfectly, you know, zero, n- no error. Right, just like laying flat. Yeah, yeah, and then the guy changes his hand position because mm-hmm. visually he's so comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would, um, I would say that's fiction. I don't think it's a, you know, hundred percent guarantee that it needs to be the case. At times I've done that to help players. It can help players by having it virtually flat, or mm-hmm. and I've also allowed it to be heel up or toe up. Um, uh, but certainly, if it, if that is the case, then other things do need to to make sure that they match. And like I said, a loft of the putter would right. be one of them. Right. So if you're a golfer out there and you do have a heel up, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Like if it, you know, uh, Phil right now is saying that it's it's fine. It, it there's no standard really way to to have your putter set at a dress. So yeah, the, <clears throat> within ballpark, you know, you want yeah. the lie angle within ballpark. More important would be the loft, right. loft of the putter, length of the putter. Making sure you're matching the, the, the head style to, to your stroke. Um, lie angle less so. All right, cool. All right, we got one more category here, <laughs> Phil. The home stretch. Home okay. stretch right here. We're going instruction, okay. which is, I mean, wheelhouse right here. This is this is wheelhouse for you. Uh, we're going to go through four of these. We're going to start with this one, which is something a lot of golfers have heard of and have asked about. 
Um, I have a feeling I know what the answer is going to be, but let's ask the, the expert. Your eyes should be directly over the ball at address fact or fiction. Fiction. And this is because of um, relying on each individual player's kind of technique? I would, yeah. I mean, um, the, the one thing that I would say about eye position is I think, you know, function of eye position should be so that you can see the line or you can you have the ability to be able to aim your putter correctly from that position and there is variation there people will see the line clearly from different positions it's not a one size fits all so um yeah in trying to determine what the best position is for you it's where do i see straight where can i see square and um like i said that can change it could be that your eyes could be slightly inside the ball um, I think an important part of 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 your your head position or eye position address is actually your your gaze. So if we think about your chin being in the air or tucked down, that's changing the angle of how your head looks or the forward bend of your neck. Now that that's that's critical. That can change your perception. That's probably more important in terms of the the distance you are from the ball or whether your eyes are in or outside. Um, I see a lot of people talk about well, your eyes need to be inside right. or should never be outside or um, I've heard that a million times yeah, too. Yeah, no, I mean, more importantly would be neck, you know, neck bend and, and neck tilts because that has probably a, a, a bigger uh, effect on the orientation and uh, your ability to, uh, like I say, see straight or, or see square. So um, are the common positions that a lot of people, you know, see better from? Yeah, I mean, if you get extreme positions or are you too far away or too outside or extreme neck bends and tilts and make it very very difficult um but to say everyone needs to be in the same position would be fiction yeah and i feel like that kind of relates to ball position too right like where you have the ball if you have it in the front of your stance that's kind of like like some players like to have it in the front of their stance so yeah. they can kind of see down the line a little bit better yeah. and things like that i feel like that has almost like a direct correlation to where that yeah, is. yeah, I think so. I mean, like, I think that's where eye dominance can play uh, mm-hmm. have an effect. You know, I've seen a lot of left eye dominant players. The ball tends to kind of creep forward, and that's where they feel comfortable. And that's where they can can aim it best. And I guess with any any technique, there's always a balance between optimum and functional. You know, mm-hmm. um, so if the ball gets too far forward, does it become difficult to get the right impact conditions, or if it's too far back? But at the same time, the player needs to be able to function, needs to be able to aim correctly mm-hmm. and feel comfortable. So it's you know it's a kind of a balance, but there's no, certainly not one one fits all in terms of eye position. All right, excellent. Okay, we got two more left. My follow through should be the same length as my takeaway or backswing. So um, you know you hear it all the time. Um, I've heard it a, a lot of different ways. But what do you think about that statement right there? Okay, the truth of it is that it's fiction. Um, now, it can be a very good concept for many people, and I've, I've said this before, but I think you know concepts don't have to be 100% correct to be able to help people. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say that I see a lot of um, players, you know, particularly club golfers, who have real imbalances in their stroke length. And typical e- example I would see is guys who... They're really sort of slow and short going back, and then they have to really accelerate mm-hmm. uh, to get any speed into the ball, and the follow through becomes really long as a consequence, and and it can be diffi- that kind of pattern can be diffi- difficult to control speed. So you know that concept of the the um, the um, 
follow through or backswing and follow through being the same length could be good for them. Mm-hmm. The reality is that it probably isn't you know the same length, right. um, but the concept could be could be good. So it's a, it's a tough one really because I think at times you know for for golfers we need to give them just good concepts for them to learn from and and uh, and work towards, and I think that's a good concept. The reality is when you measure it, that's not actually happening. You know, generally the follow through will be slightly longer than than the backswing, mm-hmm. um, but it's a good concept to. To, to work on right so the so the backswing should never really be longer than the follow-through um conceptually you, I, I could <laughs> listen you know i could name guys who put the who have that pattern on tour put really like well a pop, like a pop, little pop stroke and something like that yeah, yeah 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 um you know the thing is with concepts you like i say do they help the concept needs to match the player's uh, exactly pr- uh, issue Okay, um, so that concept for the guy who maybe decelerates too much and the and the and the forward swing is shorter, maybe his concept needs to be the follow through needs to be longer. Mm-hmm. It needs to be one thirds, two thirds. So it's finding the right concept for the player's pattern. Um, I would say on the whole, for the patterns that I see a lot of, that's a pretty good general concept to have, mm-hmm. um, because you're not going to get extreme acceleration or extreme deceleration. So if you had a golf who'd never hit a putt before and you were going to try and teach them a concept, then the concept of equal back, equal through, I think would be a good concept. Yeah. The problem is, is when they learn, <laughs> okay, as they work in towards that concept, they may fall short of it one side or the other. Right. And then you may have to adjust the concept for them. Wow, nice. I like that. So yeah, so it's really like a per kind of per golfer basis, you know? I think so. But, you know, yeah. like... There are some good general concepts which are, are good for, for players. For a majority of the golfers. Yeah, 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 so it's not a bad one. All right, cool. Let's go one more here. Phil, um, this is a good one. I think uh, that will answer a lot of questions as well. Uh, most golfers' putting issues start before the putt is even hit. So we're talking about address issues. Would you say that that is a fact or fiction? So that's the best question <laughs> out of everything, right? Yeah. That's the best one. Yeah. We said the best we, for we, last. <laughs> we could have started with that one and just carried on talking about <laughs> right. it for the rest of the, um, most golfers. I mean, it's, you can't say most golfers cause right. there's plenty of golfers. A who, lot um, of golfers. Yeah. Yeah. I would say a lot of golfers cause it, the, their issues start before they hit the putt. Yeah. I would, I would say a lot of golfers do have issues before they've hit the putt. Because they may have even predicted the wrong break. Mm. So if we think of green reading, um, your assessment of the slope, even whether it's downhill or uphill, which is going to affect your your sort of um, speed judgment. Yeah, a lot of players before they even step in, their issues have already started. Um, the the aim bias on breaking puts, um, you know, the the posture and the the setup, which is going to have a, then a negative effect on the motion of the club. Then a lot of these issues. Um, yeah, are there before they've even pulled the trigger? Um, and I would say a lot of things that I try and work on with a lot of my players is to make sure that before they pull the trigger, they've given themselves the best opportunity. So, I think that's a good question, and I would be more leaning towards fact rather than fiction. All right, that, wow, we we ended with a fact. Yeah. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. All right. Well, I have a bonus question because you okay. kind of you kind of made me think of something. Uh, this is this is the little bonus question. Ready? My yep. my hands 
should grip the club firmly if I'm nervous on putts or more firmly than on a on a on like my normal grip. Fiction. Oh, okay. So, you know, grip pressure can be individual and you know, the hands hand on arm motion is a very important part of any any player stroke. For me, hand and arm motion really defines the signature of the player's stroke. And uh, you could have, um, a player can have trouble with a lead or trail hand and arm that could be the issue within their stroke. So actually increasing grip pressure within w- one of those hands could actually negatively influence the stroking in terms of gives that, that dominant hand more control. And um, is it interesting, some of the sort of listeners may have actually seen this the other week, but I'd, um a good a friend of mine who works on the PJ Tour called Jeff Pierce. Uh, he's, he's a putting coach. He's recently worked with Ollie Schneider Jans. Oh yeah, he's, he's a Callaway staff. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, and Ollie went head to head with Henrik down at the Wyndham. Yeah. Um, and so I was watching that obviously with you know in, sort of supporting Henrik. Mm-hmm. And you know you, some of the listen may have, listeners may have noticed how Ollie was actually putting with his left hand only short puts. You know, he actually took his right hand off. That was crazy. I yeah, saw that. Yeah. That was nuts. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that was a. I did speak to Jeff about that, and that was a drill that he'd given Ollie, um, and Ollie really it helped him yeah. in practice. So he, he he took it to the golf course. So there was zero grip pressure on his right hand because yeah. that was a drill that was encouraging certain uh, certain motion that he he needed in his stroke. So I would say to answer your question, that would be fiction. That would be fiction. All right. Cool. All right, good. You know, I'm kind of glad we ended on a fiction because that was really the theme of this this whole exercise yeah, today, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but all right, so uh, just to wrap it up, if somebody has a question for you or kind of wants to hit you up on Twitter, what's your what's your Twitter handle that they could... Um, yeah, so uh, it's uh, swashputting on, on Twitter, so... Cool. Yeah. All right, so you might get some uh, statements that they might ask for some facts or fiction. Yeah, someone calling me out <laughs> right, saying, exactly. that's fact. <laughs> exactly. I know that's fact. Yeah, there's, hey, there's haters yeah. everywhere. It's yeah. good It's good to okay. have haters, though. Embrace, embrace <laughs> it. Exactly. All right, well, thanks very much, Phil, for your time. Uh, that Pleasure. Was, that was really cool. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. We will have a brand new episode um, every other week. So keep listening and keep your questions coming on the Callaway community. So callawaygolf.com slash community. Uh, hit us up there with all your fitting questions. And they'll probably be answered on the show. Uh, So until next time, we'll see you later, guys.